How are we doing? Excellent, excellent. Just a quick uh, few announcements for you all, uh, just to bring you up to speed on some of the things that are happening. Obviously, it's Easter, and we've got our Good Friday service this morning, and tonight at 6pm, we're doing something very different, the Passover service. And then on dawn, on Sunday morning, down at Bock Beach, on the beach, so you'll be able to watch the sunrise. How many people love sunrises? Who would rather the sunset? Because you're already awake by then? All right. Well, I like sunrises, so I'm all going to be there. Um, we, as a church, will be uh, leading the worship at that time, and Kwana uh, Uniting and Kwana Anglican will both be adding certain parts to the service. So we've letterbox dropped a whole bunch of area the other day. Um, amazing. I'm walking around that section. For those that live around Bettinia Island and Bock Beach area, it's just a beautiful area. I didn't realise how many high rises are there, so letterbox dropping was really easy. There's 70. <laughs> Done. That was quick. I did a good job. All right, so uh, there's a few of those things that are happening. Uh, Easter Sunday, normal 9am service here. We'd love to have you here uh, celebrating the absolute amazing victory of Jesus Christ in and through our lives. And what a day to celebrate. And Brendan will be leading that day for us. And he's already been chatting to me about a few of his ideas. And it's going to be a good, good day. A couple other quick ones for you. Over the road with our coffee chaplaincies, we've been going really well been some connections happening there. John and Anne Lush, I want to honour you for your faithfulness and diligence in delivering the work and ministry over there. So thank you. And thank you for the team that have got in behind that. This week we got an email from the hospital. Um, because of my work in the chaplaincy area, on call and to the blokes and to other things, um, I worked hard with the two chaplains. And the coffee chaplaincy used to be under the volunteers. At the moment, the volunteers um, section is wavering. Um, as you'd be aware, Michelle, who headed that up, came down with cancer halfway through last year and is off on leave indefinitely. Um, so it hasn't been filled. Her job hasn't been filled yet. So uh, to get us back in, we've worked a way that we can put coffee chaplaincy. Here's this. This is a government organisation to put coffee chaplaincy under chaplaincy. So there's a good idea. I don't know how they picked that one up, but they've got it. And uh, so that's probably the way it's going to go. And if that happens, um, those that love paperwork, I'll have lots more paperwork for you if you want to be involved with the coffee chaplaincy side of things. All right, now, as you see around the, the tables, there's a whole bunch of yellow, sorry, yellow, white, red, and purple crosses. Um, obviously, the white meaning... White meaning... Purity, thank you. Thank you for playing the game. Excellent. White meaning purity, red meaning the blood, very good. And purple meaning royalty, excellent. So as last week you took home a, a green cross with Palm Sunday, how many of those crosses are still green? Oh, good. Mine's gone a shade of brown, but apparently that happens. So this one, you can take home a different cross, or if you like all three, um, feel free to take all three. We've got them all at different places around the church, so please feel free to take hold of that. One of the ones may hit you today about purity, about you being absolutely forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. The other one might be the blood. You might have just, something might trigger you. Another one might be the fact that the man of sorrows, even on the cross, guess what? He has a crown. Even the man of sorrows has a crown. Crown of thorns it be, but still a crown. And he is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our Saviour, our Jesus, our King. All right, how about we pray?
Father God, I want to thank you for this time and this moment. I want to ask, Lord God, that you would indeed come and speak to us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place. We thank you for the work that has been done and the songs that we have sung. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would open our ears and hear your voice. Open our eyes and see what you are doing. Open our heart and let some of this time minister deep unto deep. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Excellent. All right. Now, um, some of you may be wondering, and those online, how are you guys doing? We've got about 10 or 12 online at this moment in time. So I've come down to here because I know it's only an extra six or five feet back there, but these front areas, like I got rid of the front row for you because no one was sitting there. So I'm trying to help you out here, but the back row seems to fill up quicker than anything. Maybe we're traditional Baptist now, and we do that every week. All right. Good Friday. We celebrate it every year. Why? Why would we celebrate Good Friday every year? There's no eggs on Good Friday. There's no chocolates. There's nothing. Why would we celebrate Good Friday? And why do we call it good? Have you ever wondered that? Good. Good Friday. I mean, you try teaching grade one RI to a bunch of kids and tell them, okay, the day that Jesus died is the day we call Good Friday. Really? The day we kill a guy on a cross is called Good Friday? Yeah, okay. It's a challenge for us. But it's a day that we celebrate. It's a day that we remember. And it is indeed central to our faith. It is about Jesus going to the cross. And for those that don't remember, we've got our man of sorrows. We've got a big cross there. We've got a cross on the stage. Even got an indigenous cross that's made by one of the local tribes near here. So we've got the cross. It's focal point. For those of us who have got a cross around our neck, it's a focal point. It's not the letter T, as I had a grade one kid, kid try to tell me. It's the cross. It's about Jesus. Now, if I was to stand here and tell you that in 680 to 740 years, something was going to happen, would that be impressive? Yeah? yeah? You'd be impressed? So, Richie, what if I said... In 680 to 740 years, Parramatta are going to win a grand final. It's about right. Right? So I could say anything. Because guess what? None of us are going to be here in 680 to 740 years' time. I could say whatever I want. I could say Parramatta are going to win 100 grand finals. I could say the lightning on the coast are going to win 100 grand finals. I could say that... There will be no high-rises on the Sunshine Coast along the Kiwana Strip in 680 years. That's because climate change has continued to happen and now we've got a beach actually at Budrum. (laughs) But we don't know because we won't be here. And yet, yet, Isaiah, some 680 to 740, there's a debate amongst the theologians and the commentary writers about when Isaiah wrote his book. 680 to 740 years before Christ, Isaiah wrote a whole bunch of things that relate incredibly to the day that we celebrate today. Who can tell me what chapter in the book of Isaiah that hits the most? Sorry? 
53, Isaiah 53, very good. We think of Isaiah 53, but as I've discovered this week, apparently, not that I'm much of a scholar on the Bible in that sense, as per um, deliberating or arguing on when chapters should start or when chapters should finish, but apparently many commentary writers believe the section of the Bible that we're looking at today should actually start in Isaiah 52, verse 13. And so we'll be doing that today because it ties in with a five paragraphs talking all about the suffering servant, the man of sorrows. Just give me an opportunity to give you an intro. I know a lot of people love when Brendan does his intros to all the stuff that we look into the Bible. And a couple of people have come up to me in the last little weeks, Donnie, we need more Bible teaching. So I want the Bible. All right, here's the Bible. You ready? Isaiah chapter 53. It's one of the best chapters known in the Word of God. It gives us a wonderful prophetic picture of the sufferings, the death, of our Lord Jesus Christ. The general theme of the second part of Isaiah is, Brendan, can you remember it? Very good. What a good pastor you've got. The comfort of God. We didn't prep that, by the way. He just knows his stuff. The comfort of God is the second part of Isaiah. And the second part of the second part of Isaiah is about the... The the man of sorrows, the suffering servant. It is this chapter that reveals to us in greater measure than any other portion of the book, the suffering servant, the man of sorrows. Now we're going to be looking at Isaiah 52 and 53 in a minute, but let me just continue on with a little bit of background. Now, in saying this, many of you would have gone, yeah, of course, Donnie. Yes, Isaiah 53. Yes, it's got beautiful passages, beautiful verses. It is all about the suffering servant. It is all about the man of sorrows. It even says it about the man of sorrows in the King James Version. But many today do not believe it. Many contradict it, including Orthodox Jews, who from the 12th century deny that this chapter refers to Jesus Christ. For one thing, the one described in the prophecy is said to be the servant of Jehovah, Isaiah 52, 13, and Isaiah 53, 11. That should be enough, shouldn't it? Let's keep digging. We have already seen that sometimes Israel is called Jehovah's servant. So sometimes you go, okay, well, maybe this is Israel that's being referred to. However, when we look into this, the suffering servant must be the Messiah. Since the Messiah is called the servant in other places, example, Isaiah chapter 42, and 49. Now, I'm going to use a lot of passages and everything in this. For those that would like to delve a little bit deeper, I've photocopied it and put it at the front, and you can grab all the sections of Scripture and go home and cross-reference it and then send me an email saying, that's amazing. Or, or cross-reference and going, hey, Donnie, you forgot this, this, and this. Either way, I'll be happy that you've actually read it. The Old Testament shows us the messianic thread all the way through. Guess where it starts? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God lays a breadcrumb all the way through the Old Testament, all about the line and the, the understanding of the Redeemer. Psalm 22 is often called the Psalm of the Cross. Psalm 69, Daniel chapter 9, 26, Zechariah 9, 9, 12, 10, 13, 7, just to name a few. It is also added into this chapter... The book of Isaiah speaks to itself in 42, chapter 42, verse 4, chapter 49, verse 4, and chapter 50, verse 6. But here's the kicker. You ready for this? 
I mentioned that the Orthodox Jews from the 12th century no longer considered this chapter messianic. But guess what? You ready for this? This is gold. Up until the time of Jesus dying on the cross, the traditional understanding of the Jewish people is that this was indeed a messianic chapter of the Bible, in their Bible, in their understanding. So you're convinced this chapter is all about Jesus? Don't say yes, I've got more to go. No, Donnie, right. (laughs) The New Testament expressly declares that this prophecy is all about Jesus Christ. There are at least, how many? 80 references to Isaiah directly and indirectly. And guess which chapter gets mentioned the most? Chapter 52 and 53. Here's this, you ready? Philip is out in the wilderness because he's been picked up by the Holy Spirit. How does this work? Philip is having an awesome time, a mini revival's breaking out, all God's breaking loose all around the place. People are getting saved, baptised, the early church is going gangbusters. And the Holy Spirit grabs Philip out of that busyness and goes, plonk, out beside a desert road. And on the desert road comes a chariot with an Ethiopian treasure in it. And the Ethiopian treasure just happens to be reading what? Isaiah 53. You can't write this, can you? Hey, this is amazing. Isaiah 53. And then he jumps up into the, Philip jumps up into the chariot and and the, the Ethiopian says, who is this about? Can you believe this? Who is this about? Is this about the prophet? Is this about Israel? Or is this about the suffering servant, the man of sorrows and Philip starting at this passage explains the scriptures about Jesus to the Ethiopian and guess what happens to the Ethiopian he goes hallelujah it is all about Jesus there's a lake let's get baptized and he goes home to Ethiopia and a mini revival starts in Ethiopia amazing stuff you realize that still happens today are you seeing that around the place let me tell you one quick story. I've been to a group called the Mouldy Oldies. There's a good one for the KKs when you get a bit older. The Mouldy Oldies. And, and they're at the uh, RSL. And they're um, a whole bunch of ex-vets. And so last week I sat next to a 90-year-old lady, 98-year-old lady, who at the end of World War II, all the way through World War II she was a nurse, but at the end of World War II she was a nurse in Singapore to returned prisoner of wars. What stories has that lady got to tell? I met a a family who was uh, married to a young man, 18 years of old, he got his wings and went to war. 18 years old. Ended up flying over 101 different type of aeroplanes in World War II. So this is the moldy oldies. I get to talk with them about all this sort of stuff. It's fascinating, it's amazing. But here's my number one first chat as I sat down. Number one, first chat. You ready? I sat down. They're already there. I apparently was late. And for those who know me, I'm never late. Rarely late. Not often late. Hardly late. And and they're all sitting down. And the number one conversation, I sit down and they go, oh, this is our our pastor. This is Donnie. He's part of the surf club, blah, blah, blah. And they said, excellent. You're just the man we want to talk to. And I said, sure. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Bible. This is the RSL, Moldy Oldies. And I said, okay, what are we talking about? What's the best version to read these days? Is King James still okay or should we travel over to the NIV? Or I'm going, what? This is amazing. So we sat there for over half an hour 
chatting about God's word in all its different ways and forms. Cool, hey? This is not the only means of the quotation in the New Testament. There are six, least six direct quotes. Isaiah 52.15 is quoted in the book of Romans, chapter 15. Isaiah 53 verse 1 is quoted in John chapter 12, 38 and in Romans chapter 10 verse 16. Isaiah 53 verse 4 is quoted in Matthew 8, 17 and in 53 point verse 9 is quoted in 1 Peter 2, 22. Isaiah 53, 7 and 8 is quoted in Acts chapter 8 verses 32 and 33. We just talked that story. Isaiah 53 verse 12 is quoted in Mark chapter 15 verse 28 and Luke 22 verse 37. In addition to these specific quotations, there are many more brief appearances and terms that are found from this chapter. And there's a whole bunch that are on that sheet at the back. Now, as you digest the fact that Isaiah 52 and 53 is indeed about the man of sorrows, our Lord Jesus, who went to the cross on your behalf and my behalf, I'm going to get the band to come back and lead us in a song. Then we're going to delve into... Isaiah 52 and 53 in a little bit more detail. You up for that? All right. Thanks, crew. Now, as I uh, said in the introduction, um, this section that we're looking at from Isaiah 52 through all the way through Isaiah 53, it's broken into five paragraphs of three verses each. So it's beautiful. It's great symmetry. For those that love their poetry in the King James, apparently it reads really well and, and very poetic. Uh, apparently, not that I understood it in Hebrew, um, but apparently in the Hebrew, it's very picturesque and uh, the pictures are just gorgeous and um, very much point to the man of sorrows. So we're going to read through this section. So if you've got your Bibles there, Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. We're going to have five people read out certain sections. So Nat's going to get us started. Can I grab a mic, please? Thank you. It's muted. Thank you, Nat. Isaiah 52, 13 to 15. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised up and lifted up highly and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. He will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see and what they have not heard, they will understand. During this time, as we reflect on this passage, we're going to share communion together. And in communion, it's very nicely laid out, isn't it? You have your little pieces of bread, you have little cups, and there's other bits there. And even the most dramatic thing that a pastor can do is grab a bread roll like this, and then dramatically, and trying to get the impression across, rip it apart to describe that Jesus' body was ripped open. It's It's still just a bread roll that's been ripped. It doesn't really fit the picture that Nat just read out. He was despised. He was broken. He was beyond recognition on the cross. What was a bread roll? Mashed and smashed to pieces. Everything Jesus went through, all the way up to the cross, through 
being beaten with rods, whipped with a Roman scourge, gets to that point where his appearance was so disfigured he was beyond any human being. Passage that ties into this one from the New Testament, Ephesians chapter, sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will proclaim that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the glory of God and the Father. The risen Jesus. But the crushed and beaten man of sorrows is the one that gets us to that point. Other people grab hold of this passage where he was raised up and talk about him being raised up on the cross. Raised up. Jesus said, I will be raised up and I'll draw all men unto me. So this Good Friday is about drawing all people unto him. Unto him. Second section, please. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Thank you, Sarah. You can see the picture continues to be painted, doesn't it? And we're crying out to, who is this man? Isaiah, on his call, if you remember back in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah gets taken up into heaven and he sees this amazing uh, procession that takes place. And he hears God say, who will I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah, I'm hoping he was a young man and had no wisdom or discernment, quickly put up his hand and said, I will go. I will go. Send me. And then he asks the pertinent question. What will I do? And then God tells him, you will go to the people and they will have eyes but will not see. They will have ears and will not hear. They will have a heart that is hardened. And then he asks the question that any good ministry person heading into that sort of ground should ask for how long till the towns are falling apart until the cities are no more you can just imagine Isaiah's zeal of going of going to this ministry being sent by God is like really I'm going to go to a people that won't see won't hear and have a hard heart and yet in this passage in Isaiah it starts to unpack The man of suffering was despised, but the people will start to see. The people will start to hear. They will link in with the pain. They will understand what's going on. His punishment was God, stricken and afflicted, broken. The man of sorrows. Not just one injury, but many, many. Even before he got to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out that heartfelt prayer. If there be another way. He wasn't looking forward to this. This was not an event that he was sitting there going, I go to it willingly. Yes, that's what he did. 
And that's what he said. But I'm, he's crying out to the Father, if there be another way. Section number three, Joey. Can I grab the mic again? Thank you, Joey. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you. Do you hear that? Like sheep, we've all gone astray. Who can acknowledge that? Who can say, yeah, I've gone astray. Yeah, I've done things that I have not done wrong, things I have done wrong. I have not been a perfect man or woman. In every word we talk about at the 11 a.m. service, we pray a little prayer in every word we've said, what we've thought, and what we've done. See, it's not just about what we do. It even goes further. Jesus grabs us and takes us through the Ten Commandments and says, here's what the Ten Commandments say. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, he who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery. He raises the bar and he says, you have heard it said, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, he who calls his brother raka or fool or empty head or idiot. He raises the bar. We have all fallen. We have all gone astray. And yet he took it for us. He took the pain and he bore our suffering from God. And he took it on your behalf and on my behalf. And many times we don't even reflect that. We don't reflect that in our lives. This passage says, But he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that he brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. The amazing part of what Jesus went through was this incredible healing of body, mind and soul. I was talking to your two associate pastors, the guys that I get to do life with as a team. And there's so many things that I know I should be doing. And so many times I rush ahead instead of stop and pray. Bring it before God because he's already dealt with it my hurt, my pain my frustrations have all been laid upon him all and completely every word every thought every action laid on him Rosie can you do the next section for me please He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, 
nor was any deceit in his mouth. Thank you, Rosie. Like a lamb to the slaughter, he was quiet. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I've read through the sections where Jesus stood before Pilate and Herod. And there are times when Jesus did actually speak. So I'm going, aha, aha, he did speak. But he still went willingly. I always think when I watch movies where you know they're outnumbered 100 to 1. And you know if the movie, if you get captured, you're going to go through a lot of pain and suffering. So I always think in my head, if I'm in that position, I'm not going down meekly. I'm going down like a screaming banshee and, you know, I'll take 101 bullets before you catch me alive. That's the theory. In the reality, I'll probably just curl up in a ball and start sucking my thumb. In our reality, Jesus went on your behalf and my behalf willingly, willingly. All the oppression was laid on him. All the judgment was laid on him. There's a little line there that I think is very interesting. Not one in that generation stood with him. Not one stood with him. And and I think that's one of the biggest pains that Jesus went through. Hanging out with his 12 best mates for three years. And it's not just hanging out like we hang out. It's they lived together. They walked together. They talked together. They ate together. They slept in the wildernesses together. Just bunkered down in around a fire. They knew each other. Much more than we probably know each other these days in our mateship stuff. And yet, when it comes down to the crunch, one of them betrays him with a kiss. Another one denies three times that he even knows him the others run away one guy wants to get out of there so fast he runs away and loses his clothing in the process and runs off naked now that's seriously getting out of there quick isn't it and he's left by himself no one there with him no one and at the cross you got to praise God for the women don't you they're all there they're with him But he goes through that pain and that suffering. There was no violence in him. There was no deceit in his mouth. The fifth section is this. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. It's the Lord's will. This is all God's plan that Jesus goes through this as the man of suffering, the man of sorrows. And though the Lord makes his life an offering of sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And he will be the Lord, will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. The light of life after all this. So we're already seeing the progression that it's Friday, in the words of Tony Campolo, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. The light will beam. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. You and I have been justified because of Jesus Christ, just if I'd never sinned because of the cross and the resurrection. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. He had two 
thieves and a murderer next to him. He can't organize that, can he? I'm pretty sure Jesus, when they were handing out the crosses, wasn't going, you know, I don't want to be up there with that guy. He was just naughty. I want a murderer next to me. The Bible says I'm with the transgressors. Give me some bad guys next to me. He can't do that, but this is what happens. Remember, 680, 740 years before Jesus actually went through this? Isaiah's talking about it. And then it talks about him being laid in a tomb of the rich. Joseph Arimathea was rich. There's a little line going around at the moment that uh, Herod challenged Joseph. It's not true. It's just a line. Herod challenged Joseph, but why did you give your brand new tomb, the tomb that's never been used, why give it to Jesus? And Joseph's response was, it's okay. He's only using it for the weekend. Jesus went to the cross on your behalf and my behalf. The man of sorrows, his body crumpled. Today, as you come and take communion, feel free. Feel free to go to the new tradition, if you'd like. Go back to the old ways. Or if you dare, grab a piece of bread that has been crushed and smashed to pieces in remembrance of what Jesus went through on your behalf. Take the cup and remember our Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross for you and for me, for the forgiveness of all sin, so that we might know God in all its ways and all its power, that we may walk in his strength and we might have a life, a life of abundance. Today, feel free to take it individually. Come, grab, sit, be quiet. I'll get the band to keep playing. Reflect. Or, come, take it as a family. Pray for each other. Acknowledge together in community that we can get to do this together. And allow God to work body, soul, spirit in and through our lives. Bring about his healing his strength, his renewal. Come, the table is open for all. Come. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that uh, you've gone before us. And like the priests of old, your blood sprinkled, just as in the Old Testament, right through to Philippians name above all names pauper and king will worship you as the king of kings today we lay our lives before you and ask Lord God you come fill us anew with your Holy Spirit as we give our lives back to you in honor and service as the only fitting thing that we can do after having taken part in a time like this I personally Lord God reach out to you and say I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior I will follow you. I lay my life before you. Amen. God bless you one and all. Thank you for joining us early on a good Friday morning. I hope it has been impacting to you. I want to take a moment just to say thank you to Richie and the team as uh, they produced that uh, little intro. 
um, which was really well done. And I thank them very much for their time and effort. And for all the many other voices that may be online listening and watching, it was well, well done. Please join us. Uh, if you're a visitor, hang around. We've got uh, hot cross buns and uh, morning tea. So please come and join us.